It's Nicole Auerbach. Welcome back to the All-Americans College Football Playoff Special Edition podcast. I'm joined by Chantel Jennings and Max Olson, and we're doing this extra pod. Um, we're just going to talk about the college football playoff rankings, the ones that matter, um, the big debate of the day, our levels of outrage and all that, and we will get to Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, Scott Frost at Nebraska, and whatever other coaching changes happen in our regular weekly pod. But we will just start with the playoff. Um, Chantel, Max, what are your level of outrage from today's rankings? You know, I'm like a two or a three. Honestly, I, I thought I would get like way more worked up about this. Maybe just because I was out of out of ten. Out of ten, yeah, I'm. I'm just not that. I'm just not going that. Maybe it's because I was, you know, I was at the the playoff headquarters today in Grapevine, and and you know there to kind of hear them explain all this stuff. And I guess I wasn't ultimately that shocked that Alabama got in. I sort of believed throughout the course of the week that if Wisconsin lost, I think the the, the committee would would use that as a as a reasonable excuse to put Bama in there. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I, I I you know I'm sure there are a lot of very upset Buckeye fans out there. They have very you know, valid reasons for, for feeling the way they do. But ultimately it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's just such a great final four. It really is. It's two national championship caliber games in the semifinals. And, and it's hard to be mad about that. I, I agree with you. I'm not super, super mad. I think had Ohio state beat Wisconsin by 30, 35 points. And mm-hmm. this were still the same result we saw on Sunday morning. Maybe then I would have been around a five or a six because at that point with a convincing win like that over Wisconsin, maybe there's a, a little bit more of an acceptable range for some outrage. But I, I think it could have. I, I agree with you. I think that could have flipped a little bit if it had been a, you know, a 30 point victory last night. Yeah, but it was six points. And, you know, Ohio State looked pretty good, but I wasn't, you know, I don't think they looked as great in that game as I've seen Alabama look in some other games this season, and I know the strength of schedule is not the exact same, and people can argue that until they're blue in the face, but I agree, you know, it's hard to say exactly what this means. I I really thought JT Barrett brought up a good point when he said, you know, what does this mean for conference championships, and we've been trying to figure out what the committee's thinking for the last few seasons, and it's hard to know, and I think Today they made a very firm statement that they're going to put the four teams that they think are best in, and you can have your resume, but at the end of the day, it's subjective. That was my main takeaway, Max, and I'm very curious to see kind of what the people in charge view. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I felt like with this on top of last season, keeping Penn State out, and and in both cases saying that a team that was – not even playing in the conference championship. Um, and, and we can obviously debate, you know, Alabama's schedule and the lack of quality wins versus like what Ohio state brought to the table a year ago on that outside looking in. But to me, like doing this two years in a row, it, it shows to me that it's maybe better not to make your conference champion, not have that chance for a <laughs> loss um, that getting that win may not really make up that much ground. I mean, is, is that, I'm sure that the, these questions were sort of posed to the people in charge. Like, are they concerned about that? Max, you've been making this point about the Big 12 for like the last few years. You know what? I, I, the, I've been covering the Big 12 the past few years, and we've literally seen the Big 12 shift its whole conference Based on year one. Year one uh, based on this. year one and this belief that Baylor and TCU got snubbed because they didn't play a conference title game. And now the Big 12 has gone out of its way to, to bring this back, to in, it, you know, introduce this risk into it that you know, if TCU had, had defeated Oklahoma on Saturday, then the Big 12 does not have a playoff team, clearly. And then you see for a second year in a row that, uh, you know, 
that not playing in a conference title game ended up boosting a, a team into the playoff. It, it's it's head scratching if you're a Big Twelve fan, obviously, but you know the the explanation from Kirby Hokut on on Sunday essentially was they felt like when they held up the resumes of Alabama and Ohio State side by side, they felt like it was so not close that it didn't even really come down to the tiebreaker of the fact that one played a conference title game and won it and one, you know, stayed at home on Saturday. I mean, they really felt like Alabama was the more uh, consistent team, the, the team that really passed the eye test. And, and they were so impressed by just the numbers that they've put up on defense and the way that they played on, on the way to being ranked number one before that loss to Auburn. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is, is um, they felt like this decision this year between Alabama and Ohio State between the committee members, it wasn't even as close of a vote as it was last year when they ultimately decided to put Ohio State and Washington in the playoff and, and leave out Penn State. So they felt like it just wasn't even that close between Alabama and Ohio That's State. That's wild. And, that is and, wild to me. And, and ultimately, look, you can make all these arguments on both sides if you want. You can you can lay out all these reasons to defend Ohio State or Alabama. And ultimately, they kind of threw it all aside and just said, you know what? When we watch Alabama, we feel like they're one of the four best teams in the country. And I think when you watch Ohio State, you just they just could not get over the Iowa game, which you know is understandable. No, no other playoff team in this this brief history of this has had a you know a thirty point loss like that on their resume. So mm-hmm. they just could not get past the Iowa game. And uh, in the case of Alabama, um, you know they were just so impressed by the body of work and, and the week to week consistency. So I know that the whole point of having a human selection committee is to add that subjectivity to the process mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. you didn't yeah. want to be constrained by the numbers of the BCS and things. But I mean, why do we have some of these stats? Why do we have these metrics that are supposed to be used when teams are close? Like a conference championship is supposed to be a deciding factor, like an important piece of this. I- I'm just wondering if, if we just want them to, if they're just going to pick the best teams and this is all going to be based on eye tests. And I know that Kirby Hoka even talked about the former coaches in the room talking mm-hmm. about the way that Alabama played. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, and it's fine if, if that's how th- we want this thing to be decided. I just sort of wonder why put all of those other constraints and, and why cap different things if that's it. If you just want to take a bunch of football people who watch the film and are like, yeah, we just think uh-huh. these are the four best teams. Well, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the problem is I think a lot of fans look at this and they, they want not only year-to-year consistency with this, but they want week-to-week consistency. Right, right. And a week ago, less than a week ago, Kirby Hokett says that teams five through nine are all extremely close. And then they come out today and say Alabama really was not even close to Ohio State. So, I, look, I think that, that it's tough for the committee because and, – and it's not, it's not Kirby Hokett's fault. He is only representing all the people in that room and, and really a diverse group of people with different opinions. But um, – you know, I think the problem with this with this process is we just sort of have to kind of expect this unpredictability and expect the kind of the, the rationales to change on a yearly basis with this stuff. And, and four years in, it's just really hard to point to precedence with this thing at this point. I think what's interesting, the most interesting part to me, at least, is that I think there were a lot of people out there who thought that moving to the playoff model was going to get rid of some of the ambiguity and confusion and debates that the BCS model had. Mm-hmm. But it's that's just not what this move was about at all. Like there's 0% of this that they thought like, let's go to the playoff model because there will be less of a debate. I think it's a moving target and every season it's going to be different because the people in the room are different. And absolutely, I go back to what JT Barrett said, it's hard for these players to sort of look at that room and say, well, what do they want this year? 
I think the best way to really look at it is, at least based off this year, it's eye test. And then if you do have two teams that are close in eye test, that's when you maybe look at some of the other stuff. And there are obviously other factors in that, like huge losses that you want to avoid throughout the season. And also, don't lose two games. Apparently, losing two games is, you know, that's going to be held against you. But also don't go undefeated if you don't play anyone, like Wisconsin, or if you're UCF, you're never going to get into the top 10 even yeah, if you don't go undefeated. Yeah, don't be UCF for so sure. So basically that's a rule. just be a one-loss non-champion that mm-hmm. the committee thinks looks pretty good on tape. I mean, it, it, that's what's – so, I mean, I understand the inconsistencies. I understand that there's different – members each year and that like they're not necessarily held to like the precedent of the year before or two years Mm ago Mm. um but what's frustrating to me is the access point issue when you only have four spots and and the fact that it clearly helped Alabama to be Alabama Mm -hmm. and to Mm -hmm. have done what they've done over the last seven years and I don't know if that is necessarily extended to other people or the fact that the SEC was very mediocre outside of Georgia, Auburn, and Alabama, yet this is the year and this is the conference right. that gets two teams in. So to me, another thing, and I think we're going to hear this a lot all offseason, is going to be about the six or eight team playoff thing. And I always thought it would come about when two power conferences were left out, which is Pac-12 and the Big Ten in this case. But it just sort of – it's this frustration that these conference championships don't matter and that we have divisions and we have conferences and you're telling your players to win your division, to get to conference championship games, win them, celebrate them, and then that's completely devalued. Nicole, I think a good point you made was about the strength of a conference. And I thought that was interesting today because, of course, this is the year that we're going to have two SEC teams in the playoff when there were three teams in the SEC and everyone else. Whereas you look over to the West Coast and USC is sort of scratching its head saying, you know, maybe we didn't have an Alabama at the top of our conference, but maybe one through six, they're one of the best conferences in the country, if not the best one through seven. You know, I don't don't think there are teams out there that would say, yeah, Arizona's a team we're definitely going to beat. Arizona State's a team we're definitely going to beat. Even Cal freaking got upset this season. And so I think it's interesting just to look at the strength of the conference. And then you have a team like USC, which had zero idle weeks this season. They go, they win their conference championship over Stanford, which was the team that beat Notre Dame pretty convincingly. And yet we're still at this point where they were definitely an afterthought. Well, look, at, at the end of the day, the Pac-12 created its own problems by scheduling mm-hmm. big games on Friday nights and by giving USC that schedule. Right, and in you, short you, weeks. And, and hopefully this snub will lead them to, to make some positive changes in their scheduling to give themselves you know, a better chance in this situation. Uh, and, and honestly, like, I, you don't need to react. If you're the Big Ten and you're the Pac-12, you don't need to overreact to this stuff like the Big 12 has in, in mm-hmm. past years, I think, because truly the one thing I learned from being around these, these um, you know, playoff leadership on Sunday was, you know, it's just one year at a time. You can't take anything that happened in the past years and, and apply it to what's going to happen next year. So, um I don't know that there's some golden solution for those teams other than continue to schedule hard non-conference games and hopefully you can present a one-loss champion. Yeah, and I wasn't I wasn't saying that USC should have been considered, but I think sort of that um you know, it just sort of felt like they were so so far off and yes, yeah. they obviously created their own problems and props to the conference for actually making some changes. They're not going to have teams playing short week away games unless it's after a bye. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they've made amends to fix all of those issues within their scheduling. And so I think next year it, the conference should be better. And I think also they've done a lot to get out of their own way. You know, one thing that bothers me that I think, again, is going to be maybe a topic of conversation in the off season and moving forward is, is a question of non-conference scheduling. Um, because we were talking, joking about, oh, Ohio State had two losses and you can't have that second loss. And, and, and the question did come up. I mean, it would Ohio State have been better off just playing Akron instead of Oklahoma this year and then only having the one loss. And so, you know, I, I do think I think in the first couple of years, of the playoff teams were getting rewarded for going out and scheduling tough teams. And if you lost those games, it wasn't necessarily counting against you. But see, we, since we still haven't had a two loss team. Uh, make the playoff that's I don't know we're getting a little bit of mixed signals there um you bring up an interesting point though Nicole like I'm curious (laughs) I think it's gonna be a thing well I'm curious for you you brought this up do you guys think if Ohio State doesn't lose to Oklahoma and the only loss on their record is that really bad 31 point Iowa loss and they still only win by six yesterday are they in over Alabama still honestly like I think if I think if Ohio State loses to Iowa by seven they're probably in the playoff and, right. and you, if they, if the Oklahoma loss is forgivable, that's one of the best teams in the country. Right. But it was the, it was the margin, I think, of Iowa that but, was unforgivable. But here's also part of this, and I think um, this is something that when we first had this issue of, you know, the non-conference champion Ohio State um, being unequivocally better, which again we were used used that phrase on Sunday that Alabama's unequivocally better than a conference champion. So therefore that, that factor doesn't come in on a head to head kind of comparison. Um, the, the, the question then is, is part of that because one of those teams has two losses and one has one. And, and mm-hmm. that was something that was explicitly told to us last year. The mm-hmm. fact that Ohio state only had one loss. So, you know, I, I do think that's something to keep in mind moving forward, but before we wrap this up, cause this you know is what, just kind now, of a, now that I oh. think about it, I'm, I want to take that back. If Ohio state had two, losses and one of them was a close one to Iowa they probably still get left out because at the end of the day the committee just had too much respect for for Alabama having one loss and that one loss being Auburn but honestly as much complaining as we've done I'm okay with the outcome I'm okay with the four teams well I just I just totally cope with I I totally understand the the fans out there saying well wait exactly how how does this work exactly because on a week-to-week basis you hear a lot of different stuff Okay, but neither one of you actually answered my question, so I'll I'll re-ask this. If the only loss on Ohio State's record is that 31-point loss to Iowa, and say they never played that Oklahoma game, they played some some random team, they beat that team. Mm -hmm. If the only loss is Iowa, and that loss is still by 31, and they still win yesterday by 6, do they get in over Alabama? I think it's a lot closer, and I think 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 then the committee might be willing to bring in that tiebreaker of that conference title. Um, but at the same time, that also sort of hinges on something that was really unknowable throughout this process. And they didn't even really, I didn't even really get a good answer for this on Sunday. And that was how did the committee treat Alabama, Florida state? They, they told us today, some committee members treated that as a win over a top 25 caliber team. Some committee members treated that as a win over a six and six team. So I think you would still have some kind of debate about Ohio state didn't play a big time non-conference game. And, and I think it'd still be pretty close. Okay. So enough on the hypotheticals. Um, I agree with you, Max, that overall we have two fantastic matchups. Oh, like great Baker matchups. May- Baker Mayfield, that offense against Georgia's defense going to be great. The Rose bowl. And then obviously you've got 
Alabama Clemson part three um, in, in, in the sugar bowl. There's, I'm just going to run down real quick, the other new year's six bowls and get your guys thoughts on which of these games you're most excited for. And then we'll just wrap because we've got a lot of content that you guys can read on uh, the athletic.com slash all American. So we have like everything so covered. This is just, this is just the audio portion of our breakdown of the college football playoff ranking. So here we go. New year's six bowls. We've got USC versus Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, Washington versus Penn State in the Fiesta, Miami, uh, Wisconsin in the Orange, and Auburn, UCF in the Peach. Uh, Each of you, give me which game of that list you are most excited for. Oh, for sure, the Cotton Bowl. It's like Snubfest 2017 between USC and Ohio State. Like it's, the two yeah. conference oh, it's, it's champions like, who didn't make it are just going to go head to head and just battle. I love it's, it. It's the unofficial playoff game, right? It's like the mm-hmm. third playoff game to me. Like it's, it's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm psyched for that game. That'll be, Oh, and like it, two mad quarterbacks as long, you know, assuming they both play if they play, but two mad and, quarterbacks, and it'll, it'll be so good. What a, what a crazy changeup too, because I, I was at AT&T stadium on Saturday and I walked out of there talking with some bowl reps who felt like, there's a pretty good chance that they were going to get Washington Penn State and then a uh, little switcheroo here on Sunday morning and, and they end up with just a, a ridiculous, uh, you know, Rose Bowl caliber game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I'll just uh, mention, I'm going to give a shout out to the teams that uh, people thought were a little overrated and then kind of came crashing back down to earth. Miami, Wisconsin could be pretty mm-hmm. interesting from that perspective, as well as UCF Auburn because you've got – Scott Frost is hoping to coach. Yeah, that. just His to see how that all shakes out. Yeah, yeah I, think, be um, I think that's going to be fascinating. Especially as a team that felt like, you know, they never got a, a fair shot to be considered among the, the title contenders. Those guys, even with Scott Frost and those staffers moving on, those guys are going to go in there with a lot of juice. I think UCF and Wisconsin sort of had that opportunity, though, because all season everyone was saying, you know, Wisconsin hasn't played anyone. UCF's in a group of five. They have these opportunities to play Miami and Auburn which are two teams that for the most part had a lot of respect all of the season or at least the second half of the season. Um, so they can kind of be the party crasher. Wisconsin-Miami is yeah. definitely like the respect bowl, right? Where we right. have to agree that whoever wins that game, they had a great season and we they should have acknowledged it all this year. Yeah. Yes, yes. We have to like all apologize or something at the end of that Send one. Send them fruit uh, baskets. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we will wrap the pod. We'll be back with our regularly scheduled pod, which will come Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, whenever you normally get it. Um, but thanks so much for catching up with us on the uh, special emergency edition of the College Football Playoff pod. Um, thanks, Chantel. Thanks, Max. And uh, we will be back with you guys soon. Mm-hmm.